When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey everybody, it's Matthew Collar here. We're talking Vikings football five days a week on Purple Daily, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app, or wherever you find your podcasts. And look, if you're tight on time right now and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. Thank you, Jonathan. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone here, and we welcome in one of the great all-time Toledo Rockets quarterbacks. Uh, He uh, works for NFL Radio. Oh yeah, by the way, played 11 years in the NFL. And also works for Pro Football Focus, a very busy man, Bruce Gradkowski. What's up, Bruce? What's up, guys? Thanks yeah. for having me on. Yeah, for sure, man. Now, I want to start out with you explaining to Alex Boone the virtues of Pro Football Focus because I quote, oh, I quote PFF all the time here on the show. And you being a former player, I feel like Alex has to be conflicted as a guy who doesn't love statistics. Help me out, Bruce. <laughs> well, I think, you know. I'm not a huge statistical guy either, but the thing I've loved about pro football focus um, this year, especially was my access to all the film, the data. um, And I really have grown an appreciation for the guys that work there. And it's all, they're all basically gym rats. They're all coaches uh, or wannabe coaches or all they do is watch film and great film. I mean, we're talking about, Every play, every player, every game, I mean, it's insane how much film everyone watches. So I have a, a lot of appreciation, and, and I can see why it would benefit, benefit NFL teams, college teams so much, because it's impossible to watch every single guy, especially now coming up to the draft. So I feel like uh, the PFF data, there's so many, you know, so much data that it can, it's actually a shortcut for guys to be like, you know what? Here's their top ten. Let me go take a look at them. And now you can organize them into your top ten and who you feel is good. But um, I think there's a lot of good data. There you have Dude, it, Alex. There you listen, have it. No, no, no. Listen, when it comes to <laughs> scouting, I'm all about those services. Whatever you need to see as many players as you need to. But when it comes to the pros and watching film and breaking down a pro game, I have a problem with that if you're not in the room. And I always will. No rebuttal. I love it. <laughs> Did you catch that, Bruce? No, I didn't hear it. Oh, oh, okay. I was just—we were basically just saying that I have no problem with the scouting service portion of it. I just have a problem with if you're breaking down offensive film in like an NFL room and you're not actually in the room, but you're giving out grades. That's the only problem I have with that. Yeah, no, I, and I hear you with that because my brother—you know—my brother played offensive line and he oh, said yeah. the same stuff. He—he's like, man, they can't—you know—they graded me bad and. Um, <laughs> 
I just they don't they don't know what our blocking assignment was, and they you know this and that. And, I, and, and what I say though is like so when I grade the quarterbacks, you know if something happens in the route that I'm unsure whose fault it was, it's a miscommunication. You don't downgrade the receiver or the quarterback if you're unsure uh, what happened. But, you know, a lot of times, too, if I see a post route, a skinny post being ran, it happened to Baker Mayfield this year. Uh, uh, Callaway shoot across face to the cornerback. He took one step like he was going to cross face, then went behind the DB. It gets intercepted. Well, now I'm not going to put that on Mayfield because I know that the receiver's route has to cross face on that kind of post. Um, so it stays right there. So up front, and you know how it is, playing O-line and um, – and you know when you kind of get your butt whooped or when you pancake someone, so you're actually grading on what is happening. You're not going to always try to just guess what their assignment was. But if a guy's on a guy and gets beat, you know, then, then you could possibly uh, get a negative. Bruce, was there something specific that you learned from doing all of that work? Uh, the QB annual is unbelievable, by the way, with all the data that's in there. From, from you looking at film and doing grading and things like that, uh, was there something that you took away that even you, as a former NFL quarterback, uh, learned about quarterback play in 2020? Well, I realized I didn't know I liked coffee that much. You know, <laughs> on, Sunday, on Sunday nights, I would watch all the games during the day and then around 7.30 at night, I would start getting in the coach's uh, version of the film, and I would watch film from about 7.30 till 3 a.m., and then wake up the next morning and try to bust it out uh, as quick as I could till about 2 in the afternoon. So I'm going through over a 1,000 passes every week trying to grade them, and um, you're seeing a lot of good concepts. I would always look forward to grading you know, the Chiefs because of Andy Reid and Mahomes, Kyle Shanahan. McVay just love their shifts in motion. So you pick up a lot of good stuff, um, and then you just get a feel of how quarterbacks are playing. And a lot of times, too, it, you know, as the season went on, I could always know, like, ah, this guy's going to give me a turnover-worthy play at some point in this game because that's just what he does. And, you know, it would kind of always happen. So it's kind of cool how I just got a feel of how some of the guys were playing and and you would expect what you'd expect because they did it week in and week out. Talking about quarterbacks, let's talk about the one up here in Minnesota and Kirk Cousins. You've obviously seen all of his passes. What would you say about last year that he improved on as opposed to the year before? Well, I think Kirk, I mean, man, you know, he, he gets so much. There's so much criticism on him, um, and he is such a good passer. I'm talking about a pure passer, great release, accurate, Smart, makes good decisions, good feet. You know, he can really do it all, and he can, you know, he really can run an offense, uh, you know, better than a lot of guys. And, you know, people want to question about winning the big games or not, but I think this year, uh, on the field aside, I think he handled everything very well. I think, you know, with a kind of rocky start a little bit with that offense and, you know, kind of internal struggles and you're hearing about things. And then he kind of went on that streak of they were so dominant mm-hmm. offensively, and he was one of our top-graded quarterbacks for a little while there. Um, you know, I, I just loved it. I loved it because I love when your back's against the wall or you know, you play with that chip on the, on your shoulder. That's the one thing I really loved this year with Kirk Cousins 
was I want to see that fieriness. I want to see him play with that chip on the shoulder. And he started doing that. And he even said it, right, in the, you know, in the media that he always plays better when he's, like, pissed off or when he has a chip on his shoulder. And that's how I was. So I give him a lot of credit for what he has done. Um, but also, too, I'm happy for where they've gone with Kubiak. I mean, man, that's an unbelievable uh, hire by Zimmer to keep Kubiak there to actually make him OC. Man, that's awesome, and it's awesome for Kirk Cousins. I've always wanted to play in the Kubiak system, Kyle Shanahan system, and I never had a chance to. So Kirk Cousins is probably the prototypical type of quarterback that fits in that kind of system. Bruce, can you expand on that? I mean, with quarterbacks throughout the history of Kubiak as an offensive coordinator head coach, they always seem to set career highs or, in this case, have their highest PFF rankings for Cousins by far um, since he's been a full-time starter. What is it about that system that helps out quarterbacks so much? Well, it's funny, too, because your boy Sage at the Super Bowl even told me, he's like, man, Kyle Shanahan got me paid. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I think it's just a mix of like the play action pass, the screens, the bootlegs. It's a lot of friendly type plays for a quarterback. And yes, the quick game is nice, but honestly, it's easier to throw the ball 18 to 20 yards downfield on a play action pass than it is to throw a quick game. Because number one, as a smaller quarterback like I was being 6'1, 6'2, your play action pass, you're usually getting deeper in the pocket so you have more space to work, more vision over and through the offensive line, defensive line. And then linebackers are always stepping up. So you always have that nice little soft spot in a defense between, you know, the linebackers and the safeties. And you can always kind of drop a little two ball in there. And I think Kirk Kirk Cousins does that perfectly. So I think in in Kubiak's kind of system, it's the running game mixed with the play action pass and bootlegs. That is very helpful for the quarterback. Bruce, i got to ask you about this carousel going around the NFL right now. I was starting New England. Tom Brady, do you think he leaves New England? And if he does, where would his best destination be? Yeah, man, uh, man that's that's a tough one. You know, I don't want to see him leave New England. I mean, I actually I like the soap opera type stuff during football. You know, it, it's very entertaining. Um and and I, I'm interested to see like if Brady can do something elsewhere and lead them to the championship because I love what Brady brings in the locker room and his work ethic and just his mindset in general. Uh, but I don't see him leave, leaving New England. I, I don't think Robert Kraft will let that happen. I think at the end of the day, if Brady wants to go out on top, I think New England and Bill Belichick uh, is the place for him to be. Uh, but if not, I think you got to look for him to go to a team that he knows can be very successful and that they have the pieces around him. Uh, I know there's been some chatter about, man, what if, what if they got him in Dallas? You know, but I, I don't know if you steer from Dak Prescott because he's the future there, I would think, uh, because he's younger. You have a lot more years in him. Uh, and then you look at Tennessee with the Titans and his relationship with Mike Vrabel and um, how close Tennessee was this year. But then it goes back to if if I'm a team and I'm looking at Tom Brady, you know, you got a few years with him where, you know, Tennessee, if you find, if you resign Tannehill, that, that chemistry they built this year, I think that suits you better for the long term. Um, and same thing with the Cowboys. So I, I, I think though, like if Brady goes somewhere, he's going to want to go where, where they already have pieces established. 
um, and he could get to the Super Bowl again. So, But I don't see him leaving New England. I think a lot of things will happen, but at the end of the day, he's right back in Foxborough. Talking with former NFL quarterback Bruce Gradkowski, also now a co-host on NFL Radio and works for PFF as well. So, Bruce, uh, I want you to give us some reckless speculation. It's what we love to do on the show, where we just go <laughs> into the boldest and craziest things we could think of. And this offseason, I'm just pouring it all over me with these quarterbacks. It's amazing. It's like a dream scenario of having 10 different teams that can have different quarterbacks. Give me the boldest prediction you could make about a quarterback ending up at a place that we never see coming. Oh man, that's get bold, Bruce. One. You can do it. Um, Don't be afraid. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing that's cool though, it really is. I mean, you see Tom Brady out there, Philip Rivers, um, you know, Andy Dalton. I don't think that's it's too bold, but I could see Andy Dalton uh, being in Chicago would be a great fit for him. I'd also I'd like to see Andy Dalton in New England. I think that would be. Actually, a perfect fit. You know, Andy's still young. He brings a little more athleticism than Tom Brady. Um, and I'd like to see if Andy could win the big game if he would go there. I look at Tom Brady or, and Philip Rivers. I mean, Philip Rivers, does he sign with, like, Tampa Bay? Um, I think, you know, the Colts is an interesting one with his relationship with Frank Wright. Um You know, and I, I don't know if these are bold enough for you guys, but it's just situations I've been – thinking about kind of, and I love those those kind of situations, some soap opera type stuff. So uh, what's kind of the boldest ones you guys have been talking about? Uh, I had Cam Newton going to the Raiders somehow. Is that that's wow. that's that's a plus boldness? I'm a veteran of boldness. I feel like you're just sort of dipping your toe in the water with Andy Dalton. That's like that's like <laughs> B minus bold. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right about that. I mean, Cam Newton, though, Gruden's offense, I don't know if uh, Cam might go crazy with all that verbiage and all the cans <laughs> and audibles he has to do. Yeah, that's probably that right. A lot. What about you? What was your craziest, Alex? I don't, I mean, I think that, and I, here's one that I don't even think is crazy, but I would just want to really see it is Phillip Rivers to Tampa Bay, because him and Bruce Arians would be electric together. But, yeah. No, and I, I, I think that's a good point. Go ahead. I was going to say, I don't know I don't know how they would mesh, though. I mean, you know B.A., he's a wild man. And, and I get that Phillip's kind of wild, too, but he is a little more, like, toned down. And so it would be interesting to see that dynamic. It would. And I think the thing with B.A., though, that's cool, is, like, all the interceptions Jameis Winston has thrown, B.A. continues to, like, empower you as a quarterback. And he yeah. doesn't make you feel gun-shy about making those throws downfield. So, that could be a good fit with Rivers. I just don't know how much arm strength Rivers has left for those big balls downfield. I know. I know. I think last year he had something like a 50 quarterback rating when throwing deep. Uh, maybe you would know the exact quarterback rating when throwing deep since you probably tracked it. But it, it, wasn't, it wasn't super good. Uh, last thing for you, Bruce. Um, ESPN had a cool piece about breakout quarterbacks in 2020. Um, is there a, a young quarterback who came into the league, Drew Locke, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, one of those guys, where they're waiting in the weeds a little bit, but you can't wait to see him next year? Well, I think Kyler Murray, I mean, and I don't think he's really slid under the radar with the rookie season he has had, um, which is which was, like, super impressive. So I, I look for him to continue to just get better. I, I think um, – Cliff Kingsbury does a great job with that offense. He set, he surrounds him with the right kind of scheme. So Kyler Murray's always going to be a fun one to watch. 
I'm interested interested to see too how Lamar Jackson responds another mm-hmm. year. I just I was really impressed with his competitive nature. Not that we didn't know it was there, but man, I just remember the Seattle game this year. I'm watching it's probably two AM. You know, I'm drinking probably like my fourth cup of coffee and you know, there's no announcers, it's just a coach's film. And I remember being able to feel his competitiveness through the film and I was like, Man, I would just love to have this guy on my team because of what he brings in the locker room. So I want to see if the Ravens can do it again for how dynamic they were offensively and if teams can figure figure them out and stop them. And, you know, Drew Locke's another one. You know, Drew Locke coming out of college, I wasn't too impressed with his his feet, his footwork and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, but I knew he had the arm strength and the ability. And what I've watched from him grading him this year was he had the tendency to just hit hit the guy if he was open. So his accuracy was actually pretty good, and I was impressed upon that. He'll, his footwork will get better, uh, but he's another one I really want to see flourish with uh, Pat Shermer around. Follow him on Twitter at bgradkowski 5 He's a co-host on NFL Radio and also does a lot of work for Pro Football Focus as well. And one of my favorite guys to catch up with. I'm excited to see you out again at training camp. Bruce, thanks for coming on, buddy. Yeah, thanks, guys. Have a good week. Yep, take care. Bruce is the best. He needs a little work on his reckless speculating, but overall, overall solid takes. He's a big Andy Dalton fan. You know what? Andy Dalton has had his time where he was pretty good in 2015. Pretty darn good in 2015. It was sort of like a Kirk 2019 season where he set all of his career highs, and then he got hurt at the end of the year, and we never got to see whether he could take them anywhere in the playoffs. But Bruce makes a good point that he's the forgotten man here because Cincinnati was so awful. But maybe he's next year's Ryan Tannehill. I've never been a huge fan of Dalton, but one thing that's good about him is he gets rid of the ball really fast. So in a Chicago offense where Matt Nagy wants to throw a lot of bubble screens and quick slants and things like that to playmakers, it would make sense. Do you think Chicago's going to change quarterbacks? I Man, I really I do. I feel like they've kind of had their fill of the Trubisky. But I want to talk about something to go back to the Andrew Dalton thing. Don't you blame the coaches for the, for that then? Because if he's going to go to another team and be successful, wouldn't you as an owner turn around to the coaches and be like, okay, so listen, what went wrong? Because clearly you don't know what you are doing. Like, It's like the Ryan Tannehill. When he goes to Tennessee, all of a sudden he starts to flourish. And people down in Miami have to be like, wait a minute. <laughs> We had this kid for how many years? Well, don't you think people in New York are like, wait? I mean, mean, they've got his coach that couldn't get him anywhere in Miami. I don't, that's what I'm saying. How did these, it it has to baffle so many people. Like, how does this kid leave? And then all of a sudden, he's just tearing it up in a different division. And I'm not saying that it's, the division has anything to do with it, but the fact that you can get these guys to play at a super high level, like if Andy Dalton goes to, say he goes to Chicago, right? Mm -hmm. Say they're like, listen, bitch. You and Andy are going to fight it out. Like, they're going to do the old, you know, Tennessee thing. And say he comes out and Andy has a great year, takes him to the playoffs. Wouldn't you want to turn back around in Cincinnati and be like, dude, you had this kid for how many years? And you went to, what, one or two playoff games? That's it? Like, why wouldn't you create more of an offense around him instead of trying to make him something that he's not? Like, that's the, that doesn't that be like your biggest pet peeve? Oh, yeah, for sure. And okay. uh, our buddy Sage Rosenfels was freaking out last year about Chicago's offense not really working for Trubisky. And, yeah, you know, I'm I'm sure that that was to some extent the case with Tannehill and Andy Dalton. I asked off the record a successful quarterback in the NFL what he thought the difference was between uh, quarterbacks who make it and they don't. And his answer was, I mean, uh, there's obvious stuff like accuracy and right, you know, right, can right. you handle the offense, but 
He said just situation. I mean, a lot of times it comes down to, did they put you in a situation to succeed? And even to some extent, we saw that with Kirk last year. With Andy Dalton, he was very much put in a a situation to succeed in some places uh, in his career with some really good Cincinnati teams. And then in others, he wasn't. And the results are vastly different. And I, I think what happens now in the NFL is there's so many guys who can be good at this. There's always only going to be a couple who are great. But there are probably 25 human beings who could be real good quarterbacks or somewhere in that ballpark, whereas let's say 20 years ago, it was probably 15 or 10 who could be real good at this. And then there was always your Dan Marinos and your Jim Kellys and those guys. But how crazy is this? 2015, Andy Dalton had 106.2 quarterback rating, 25 touchdowns, 7 picks, averaged over 8 yards per attempt on a team that was completely loaded. Like, A.J. Green was at his best. They had Marvin Jones on that team, and they had sort of a running back rotation, but Mohamed Sanu is on that team, and Tyler Eifert was healthy for most of the year, so there was just all sorts of people to throw to. I think a lot of situations have to be, like if you're Chicago, can this guy be one of those 20 quarterbacks who it entirely depends on circumstance? And then how do we make his circumstances really good? How do we play to his strengths? If Dalton gets rid of the ball quick, how do we design a quick offense around him? How do we get the playmakers? And I I haven't even really considered him at all in, in terms of this conversation. But, I mean, overall, he's an above 500 quarterback for his career. And when he had good teams, he certainly won a lot of games. I agree. and I, But... Once again, it's all about fitting into the right situation. You, you yep. said that the, the quarterback told you situations. I, I was thinking right back to Bruce about how he talked about B.A. is always empowering his quarterbacks. Even when you throw 30 interceptions, he's like, hey, man, it's okay. We're going to throw another one in like five minutes. Just get ready. I mean, when you have coaches like this that aren't afraid to push you to your limits. Now, I'm not saying that B.A. was okay with 30 interceptions because I'm sure he was like <laughs> right. throwing. Yeah. Like, I know B.A. I'm sure he was throwing trash cans around like, dude, 30? Really? 30? <laughs> But when you talk about these offensive coordinators that are putting like these quarterbacks that have such amazing talent and ability, and they're just like, hey, listen, we're going to run the same old West Coast, two-jet, three-jet. Like, dude, you have to be innovative at some point. And that's why I always come so hard on coaches is because there can't be this many bad players in the NFL that this many teams go 8-8 eight and eight or 4-12. and 12. Like, It comes down to coaching eventually. Eventually the coaching has to get better, and you have to be more innovative and scheme up better ways. And that's why you see these teams like Andy Reid. And, yeah, they have great players, but some of their scheme is still like, dude, that's it. I mean, come on, have you seen mm-hmm. some of their shifts and motions before the play? It's almost tantalizing. You're like, dude, I don't know where to look, but I'm looking at something amazing. <laughs> yeah, and that's the the Shanahan thing of uh, yes. Bruce quoting our buddy Sage Rosenfels with Shanahan made me a lot of money is, is funny. Uh, but I think he did for a lot of quarterbacks. Let me just before we wrap up, because I'm having fun with ESPN's, uh, you know, sort of polls that they take with their different analysts and, and things like that. I enjoy reading those of people making predictions already uh, as we're two weeks into the offseason now. Yes. But the breakout quarterback for next year, I'm going to give you the ones that are listed here, and you tell me which one you like the most. Drew Locke, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, or Baker Mayfield could also be under the breakout quarterback candidate, I think, or other. I mean, if you have another name of, of a quarterback who might surprise us in 2020. Dude, like a week ago, I just posted a picture of Baker talking about how I got his back 100%. I think that he's going to have a, a great breakout here. I think Stefanski, as long as Kevin does exactly what Kevin's supposed to do, call enough running plays to scare defense to make Baker's life easy. If he goes out there and does what he did against the Niners and gives up after nine rushes, it's not going to be favorable. I think 
Baker has all the opportunity to go out and have a good year, and he has pieces around him that, when used properly, could be very dangerous. But you talk about these young quarterbacks. I mean, Kyler Murray's going to have to go through the Niners, the Seattle Seahawks. Like, There's too many teams in that division that are primed right now to be on winnable teams. And you look at Daniel Jones. I mean, dude, he's going to have to go through Dallas, and then you talk about Philly, and those aren't easy games to play. And even Drew Locke, dude, you're in Kansas City's. <laughs> division right like, yeah if you're not better than Patrick Mahomes for two weeks out of the year don't even plan on winning the West <laughs> like for the next 10 years but that's another reason why I look at this and I go listen I get the Ravens had a great year and I was in that offense when it first sparked so I know how you defeat it and I think enough teams are eventually going to look at this and go I get what I'm looking at now and this is how we're going to stop them we're going to force them to do more of this we're going to force them to run more laterally they want to go north and south let's keep them east and west and however we figure this out it's going to work. And then you talk about, you know, Cincinnati, dude. They're going to be what? Another dreadful team, probably? Uh, probably. I mean, I mean, four wins, maybe. And the Steelers, another one. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're coming along. They'll have Ben back, probably, if he doesn't look like Will Ferrell's uncle. But, <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm, I'm giving Baker the benefit of the doubt in this, that I think he's going to have a breakout year. And hopefully people around that team start to come corral the wagons more. Yeah, it's going to be uh, really interesting to see if Stefanski – runs out the Gary Kubiak offense and then even adds more to it than he did with the Vikings because I've gotten the sense from talking to some people that Zimmer has this very specific idea of what he wants his offense to be and Gary can bring him that which oh, yeah. is you know the the ground and pound but then play actions off of it and he wants to have your eye form and our favorite fullbacks and all those things <laughs> yeah. but Stefanski pays a lot of attention to other things around the league and I wonder if he was hamstrung or if he's going to bring the same offense either way Baker Mayfield is a good pick, and it wouldn't even be super stunning if Cleveland finally took that jump and, dare I say, competed for the AFC North. Not a thing you ever really want to put a lot of chips on with Cleveland. Well, they did that last year, and you saw what happened. Yeah, that's true. Uh, You and I will be back on Thursday, Alex. I uh, appreciate your time, man. We'll talk to you then. Get ready, big dog. Alex Boone, if you missed any of the show, go to wherever you get your podcast. Type in Purple Daily. Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next here on School North. Need a gift idea for the outdoor adventure in your life? Shop the Allbirds Mizzle Collection, made with water-repellent puddle guard technology and ZQ-certified merino wool with a low environmental impact. It's a natural fit for winter runs. And Allbirds offsets the carbon footprint to make their Mizzle Collection carbon neutral, so you can take comfort in treading lighter. Get on their nice list this year with the Allbirds Mizzle Collection. Discover your perfect pair at allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com.